Hello and welcome to SimCast, the higher education simulation podcast. My name is Tony Jeremy. I'm the academic lead for simulation-based education at UEA Norwich. Hi, everybody. My name's Lawrence Hill, and I'm the chair of the simulation group in the School of Health Sciences at UEA Norwich. Welcome to the podcast. So today, Tony, we're going to be talking about debrief, and specifically, we're going to be talking about certain archetypes of facilitator that can derail a debrief, right? Yeah, we are indeed. If you enjoy this video, please give us a like. Equally so, if you don't like it, give us a dislike, but let us know in the comments why, because we're always keen to improve. To keep up to date with all things sim-related, hit the subscribe button and don't forget to check that notification bell. Right, I've been unnecessarily excited about this one, haven't <laughs> you I? Have indeed. Yeah, and because uh, today we're going to be talking about... Well, hang on, hang on, hang on. I've got a button for this. Prepare, brace yourself. The Four Horsemen of the Debrief Apocalypse. Okay, I'm, ne I'm never <laughs> pressing that button again. That'll do. Uh, if that was horrific for you, please yeah. give us a comment below. Apologies. Okay, so no, let's get started then. Um, so I think I think we both agree when debrief is done well, it provides a really constructive and facilitative environment for learning and discussion. Uh, and we talked in episode five, didn't we, about yeah. how debriefing done poorly can end up people turning into tutorial mode or um, worse, it can erode the learner's confidence in what they're doing. Yeah, and we hinted about a couple of these these debrief of the debriefers of the apocalypse, yes. the horsemen of the apocalypse, didn't we? In in episode five. So, in our eyes, who are the four? different archetypes that you're likely to encounter as debrief facilitators. Yeah, I mean, we're sure people are going to have their own opinions on these and I'm sure everyone will have will have a view, but we think that four kind of broad archetypes are the groupie, yep. the critic, the tutor, and the hero. And what we're going to do over the course of this podcast is we're going to talk about why each of the four of those horsemen of the debrief apocalypse exist, yep. uh, some of their traits, um, and perhaps a little bit about how we can recognise them in ourselves when we naturally start to embody those archetypes. Yeah, and I think this is a really important part of it is 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 that self-reflection and recognising when you might have slipped into that role. So anyone watching, if you think that you've fallen foul to one of these archetypes, please let us know in the comments below. Equally so, if you can think of another type that we've we've completely missed pop it in the comments below. It'd be really interesting to hear your thoughts. Yeah, it'd be great, wouldn't it, to put together like a full taxonomy of, yeah. of debrief <laughs> apocalypse traits. That would be really cool. So the first one we want to talk about was the groupie. Yeah, so the, the groupie, we think the groupie exists because basically we all want our learners to do well, don't we? Yeah, yeah. So the groupie is kind of the, the yes man, the hype man, the, the you know, really wants to sort of embody that you've done such an amazing job. Yeah. And, and whilst that the elements of that need to exist within the debrief, it can't it can't be the be all and end all, which mm. it sometimes is. Yeah, it, it can't be. You're right, and, and and we think that we all probably show this personality type or this trait at certain times because we really want to foster a warm and supportive, nurturing learning environment. And sometimes that maybe overspills a little bit into groupy mode. Yeah, and and also uh, we also might be mindful of ensuring that we're trying to provide a positive learning experience. We might be overly concerned about psychological safety. Mm -hmm. And then that overspills into just literally giving unadulterated praise yeah. wherever we go. And the, the, the problem with that is, particularly in healthcare, if 
and, and in simulation, if something critical does happen, that still needs to be unpacked. Yeah. And I think for groupies, that's really difficult to do. Yeah, it is. I think that's hard, isn't it? Because it's sort of, you don't particularly, if what you want to do is build everyone up. If what you're concerned about is building the confidence in your in your learners, in some ways, the last thing you want to do is erode what they've done and say, yeah, okay, so when this was happening, I noticed that mm. X happened. Um, what were you thinking at the time? What you really want to say is, if you really want to build people's confidence, I thought that the way that you managed that particular situation was really effective. Well done. Mm. Um, so the traits yeah, that so we how, start to see. How can we identify whether we are slipping into groupie tech? territory yeah I, I think it's about identifying what the what thinking about what the traits are and i think it's about thinking about why people want to want to sort of give that kind of positive affirmation um so i would say why do we want to do that well we want people to have a positive experience we want them to enjoy what they're doing and they want and we want us to be evaluated positively as well so there's probably an element of of that at play that not only do we want the learners to do well we also want to be a good facilitator yeah, in their do eyes. a good job ourselves so yeah. it's almost kind of a if i scratch your back you'll scratch mine sort of approach yeah potentially um but i think that what groupie facilitators tend to do is they give learners what they want to hear rather than what they perhaps need to hear at times um for, because they are perhaps more hedging more towards building their confidence than their competence yeah yeah and and again, we've mentioned before about the difficulty and in, in the skills in in delivering really good facilitative debrief is you do have to unpack crit critical events. Sometimes you need to have some prickly conversation, and I think for people that are naturally groupies, they find that really really challenging. Yeah, people that naturally avoid any kind of confrontation or. Um yeah, confrontational dialogue or even argumentative dialogue or presenting kind of conflicting perspectives, perhaps particularly in a in a vulnerable learner group or a new learner group. Um, yeah, that can be quite can be quite difficult to sort of slip out of that because it's well intentioned. That's the thing yeah. is that the, is that the groupy mentality, the groupy facilitator mentality is is never meant in a destructive way, but what it does do potentially is is rob learners of the opportunity to learn from challenging and prickly areas of, of practice. Yeah, the other thing as well is, you know, I've encountered a couple of people, maybe not just always in in, in debrief and, and simulation, but other walks of life who have this really sort of positive outlook, is sometimes that then, be, it doesn't become less genuine, but people kind of expect it of you. Mm -hmm. And and so that the genuine praise almost gets diluted. Yeah. So that, that could be a potential challenge as well. Mm, definitely. So that's the first of our four archetypes, the groupie, the, the kind of the person who's overly affirmative, overly positive. The kind of flip side of the coin there is the critic. We've all seen one of those in simulation facilitation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So these are the people who micro analyze everything. Um, and again, like we mentioned with the groupie, I think their intentions are honourable. Absolutely. I think the, the the critics kind of philosophical approach towards debrief is that they really, really want the learner's practice to be safe and effective. The critic is focused on making sure that the, the, the learners perform tasks as perfectly and intended yeah as these possible. are these, these people in the natural environment are the perfectionists aren't they they're Probably. the people that do everything by the book yeah 
Um, and, you know, like all simulation facilitators, the critics, they really want their learners to do well. Um, and particularly critics want students to develop their competence through simulation. Where the groupie was perhaps more concerned with building the learner's confidence, the, the critic is probably more kind of focused on competence. Yeah, that's a really nice way to put it. Really nice way to put it. I guess the problem with this then is for the critic to distinguish what is important to unpack in the debrief and again to lead a facilitated conversation rather than the, I guess the critic could then start to dip into another one which we got the got which is the tutor could then start to teach. So what's valuable and what's not? And I think for a critic, it's hard to, 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 to let go of things, particularly if they haven't been done to their standard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think like you're saying there, you're, we're sort of, we, we're kind of previewing the, the, the kind of tutor mode. But I think one of the benefits of the, the critic is that they are continuously reflecting back to the learner. They're saying to the learner, uh, okay, so what did you do in that situation that wasn't quite right? What did you do that wasn't wrong? Okay, so you, you missed that. What was your thinking behind that? You missed this bit. And your, your tone of voice at this section was, mm, you know. And so at least in the critic's defence, what they're doing is they are reflecting back onto the learner and saying, can you think yeah. about how you might do this differently? The problem is if you're the learner on the receiving end of that, you're yeah. going to have to have really, really thick skin to not take it to heart, particularly if it's about your your, your personal performance. And then this is where... If you, again, are starting to have those suspicions that you might have those critic traits about you, mm -hmm. this is where advocacy with inquiry could work really, really nicely. Yeah, definitely. And we should definitely come back to that. I think, the, like you said, the, 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 the risk of the, the, the critic probably has the greatest risk associated with it in terms of diminishing learner confidence in themselves as a clinician slash practitioner. But I also think the critic also poses the greatest risk in terms of undermining the pedagogical value of simulation. Mm. Because if we experience that heavy critique, then we are naturally going to be less likely to engage in an immersive manner because we're giving more of ourselves. If we engage in that fiction contract and think, yes, we are, that is us in that simulation, then that critique is personal to me. Yeah, yeah. You, you're likely to have learners who feel like they've been put through the ringer if mm. they've been on the receiving end of a an overly harsh critic. Yeah. So, I mean, a, a, a critic in terms of a facilitation, uh, a debrief facilitator is someone who probably has a really very good understanding of how practice should be done. Yeah. It's probably someone who is, like you said, a, a attention to detail, a rigorous person who really wants to They're the people that know well. your professional regulations and codes inside out, back to front. Yeah. Uh, they, they know their algorithms and, and all of these things. And, yeah. and they're, a, a, you know, an invaluable in terms of, yeah part of the, the the team and the performance it's it's just understanding when it's it's how far is too far when you're you're a critic yeah when, when we think about debriefing so i think we can think about the the critic and the groupie as being two horsemen of the debrief apocalypse but, but also, also yin and yang yin and yang yeah. or two sides of the same coin yeah 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 i think you know getting that balance in fact how do you how do you get that balance right between that critical speech, that kind of critical element that you that you will put into a simulation mm. debrief, and that kind of constructive, affirmative 
kind of speech that you use with learners? Well, if I'm completely honest, I don't think I always get it right. Yeah. And uh, I think you have to have a certain amount of self-awareness. Uh, I think if you're if you're debriefing well, you should be speaking less mm-hmm. and facilitating conversation. And then that will give you enough time to perhaps reflect on what you might be about to say. Mm. Uh, so I think being measured in in what your insights are into that debrief is is important Mm. i think again without wanting to sound like a broken record with what we've been saying with a lot of the episodes to date is if you're confident with what the learning outcomes are and also what maybe some of the unintended learning outcomes that are developing are you'll know when to perhaps shelve some things if you are naturally more of a of a critic Mm -hmm. um Equally so, you'll know that there might be important areas to address and you, you're going to have to come out of groupy mode. And, mm. you know, you're not there to be their friend. You're there mm. to facilitate a conversation of mm. uh, a reflective conversation of learning, even if it means putting performance under the spotlight. And in both of those situations, again, techniques like advocacy and inquiry work really, really well because it puts you in the middle. Yeah, it, 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 you, you're, ni- you're neither too nicey-nicey or too overly critical. Yeah. Yeah, and you're inviting the learner to critique their own performance rather than you doing it for them. Yeah, exactly. They Advocacy with inquiry promotes that open dialogue, doesn't mm. it? It promotes the discussion of um, the rationale behind what was happening or the sequence of events that led to that. I think one of the deficits of a purely groupy or purely critical perspective is that they, they tend to lean towards kind of evaluative statements, mm, yep. you know, like, you know, if you, if you sort of say, oh, that was really good. Was that good? How, what, what would anyone else like to say? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it's good. Good, good, <laughs> yeah. good, 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 useful? good, good. <laughs> it has no benefit in terms of deepening learning or reinforcing yeah. the intended or unintended learning outcomes. And, and of course, it's the, the, same, the, 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 same. the risk then is, is the good then inadvertently fills into things which weren't so good, but you know, you naturally just go, well, that was, yeah, that was still good. Yeah, it wasn't as good. <laughs> yeah. but, but people but, receive that differently, don't yeah, they? Yeah, they do. And, and I think that the, the critic, even though it's probably not giving that, the critic is unlikely to be saying, frankly, that was rubbish. And they're, they're unlikely to be offering those overt statements of evaluation that the groupie might. To the learner, I think they still are interpreted as an evaluation. This, can, yeah. this kind of micro detail analysis is also perceived as an evaluative do kind you, of comment. Do you think if the critic is goes to that micro level, what do you think are the chances of them seeing the bigger picture unfolding? Where they go, oh, hang on, I've lost the group. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm getting too focused on this and actually I haven't seen the reactions of, of the learners in front of me and how they're responding to this critic. I'm thinking if I'm a learner in that group, thinking... <sighs> Yeah. Am I going next? (laughs) Are we changing rooms before the next simulation? Or have I got, you know, this critic, you know, velociraptor facilitator to to, to, to satisfy? How do you develop that that awareness? What what do you think? Or how do you develop that awareness? I Is this another is this another um example of the importance of co debriefing so that someone can rein you in? 
I, I think that's a, definitely a huge plus point for Cody briefing um, because I think if you've got like terms like oh the critic and the and they're getting a bit groupy there, Tony, getting uh, a bit groupy, yeah. <laughs> then I think you've got that, but you've got that element of humour to like sort of um, prick the bubble yeah. of over of yeah, yeah. Un, un, unnecessarily positive or unnecessarily negative kind of vibe. Um, when we were when we were talking about these and when we were writing them down, I definitely did a bit of self reflection mm. and thought, oh, yeah, I've definitely been a groupie, I've definitely been a critic, yeah. I've definitely been a tutor, mm-hmm. mm, and I've been a hero from time to time as well. Yeah, and, but I think in the heat of the moment, sometimes you can't see the wood through the trees. So again, having someone to just nudge you and go, same thing when you're leaning in with 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 questions rather than using techniques like advocacy with, with inquiry. I think advocacy with inquiry is really really helps going stops one from going to either of those two mm. archetypes. I think another kind of advanced kind of metacognitive skill that we have to develop as simulation educators is reflexivity as well. That capacity in the moment to notice the way that we are responding to what's happening around us and to adjust it in the moment. And I think it's 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 unavoidable going into critic or um, groupie mode at times because sometimes things happen and they need to be, someone needs to say, do you yes. know what? The way that the way that for for a first second year student for a third year that student, was a tough simulation. You did a really good job, and you you negotiated that masterfully. Yeah, and f- yeah. and then it's for these reasons, or you know, then it's opening that so up. Stick into so, task. So can can anyone tell me what it was about the way that this person navigated that situation that made it so yeah. effective? And, and then I, we're into a discussion. And I like your terminology that you, you use when you look at readdressing the learning outcomes in what way and to what extent have we met them it really helps you to be balanced and, and down the middle with it and, and invite those learners i think we need to go on to the other yeah. two types yeah definitely definitely let's move on so the, the next um archetype is the tutor all right and, and in, in our discussions before the pod we, we we think this is probably one of the most common in in higher education definitely in higher yeah. education yeah if you're comfortable with teaching if you've been the kind of person that is at the front of a seminar or a lecture theater this will come naturally to yeah. you. The problem is in the debrief, you know, it's what you need to stop trying to do because you are facilitating the conversation, not leading the show. Yeah, exactly. So if you're a higher education or any simulation educator and you think that you have slipped into tutorial mode uh, previously in a, in a simulation debrief, please whack us a like uh, just to let us know that we're not alone. Um <laughs> in this sort of slightly unusual quest to find simulation archetypes. But the tutor exists as a simulation debrief archetype, as one of the four horsemen of the debrief apocalypse, because as educators, we are always striving to meet those learning outcomes for yeah. students. Yeah, um, We have a mission that needs to be completed. We've got a curriculum which is which is flowing off into the distance. And of course, we're, we're you know, often you, the people facilitating conversations are going to be subject experts yes so they're going to want to teach they're going to want to deliver those pearls of wisdom yeah particularly in healthcare yeah yeah absolutely and and you know the 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 tutor um horseman wants learners to do well like the critic and like Mm. the groupie really wants learners to do well um but the real value in simulation debrief is is allowing and in, in adult learning in general is allowing the learner to make the connections for themselves mm. so probably the the biggest limitation of the of the tutor's um capacity to encourage learning is that they lead the student from point to point to yeah point. And, and and unlike the 
the groupie and the critic, which I think is a little bit harder to be self-aware about if you're naturally one way or the other. Yeah. I think the tutor, you can act, make active steps to try and rein it in a little bit. And yep. again, if you've used, if you've got something like a debrief tool or a debrief model, which helps to guide you, mm-hmm. um, we'll pop a link to the uh, the episode on, on, on uh, debriefing using the HSC debriefing model. Yeah. I think that helps because it will help to you to just lean back and, and sort of say, well, actually, okay, it's the learner's opportunity to speak now. Yeah. Can I ask an analytical question at this stage yeah. rather than giving you a learning yeah. point? But it's definitely still a skill that needs to be acquired. But, you know, the, the, the tutor is, is a noble horseman yeah. as well of the debrief apocalypse because they really want to drive that learning point home. They can't miss a learning opportunity. They, they, they really want the learners to get the most out of it. And they want to give them, like you said, those pearls of wisdom. Um, so they think, or they're possibly not thinking at all, that the debrief is an opportunity to take a kind of tutor-centred approach to the student's learning. And I think that's probably the biggest downfall of them is that they take the emphasis away from the learner yeah. by making it yeah. about themselves. So an easy way to recognise if you're going into tutor mode is who's doing the talking? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what is the proportion of my voice to your voice? <laughs> oh, it's 90-10. Yeah, I'm probably going yeah. into tutor mode. I'm into tutorial mode. And you can retrieve it in several different ways. You can see, you can say, oh, <laughs> sorry, everyone, I'm going into tutorial yeah. mode. Um, Have some humility. Level yeah. that hierarchy. Oops, sorry. Let me let me rephrase that as an open question. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you, you can do it that way. Um and, you know, how do you avoid getting into that into that tutorial mode in the first place? Uh, how would you avoid getting into tutorial mode in the first place? I don't... Again, we've talked about this, that whether you can, whether you can go into tutorial mode or not with, with a debrief. And again, I think if you're dealing with a, a, an inexperienced group, first-year students, you might need to dip into t- tutorial mode. Yeah. If it's with your third-year learners who are about to qualify or maybe even post-registration, mm-hmm. then, yeah, it definitely needs to be who's who's talking mm. right now. Yeah. And again, it's that, that key is it's not tutor, it's facilitate. Yeah, definitely. So the tutor and the hero have similarities. Yeah, they're closely linked, but I think because they're experts in their field. Yeah, and 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 one of the so they're ex, they're probably experts in their field and also the, the, so the fourth horseman of the debrief apocalypse is the hero, and and the so hero. The he- what what do we mean by hero? Right. Well, the hero really is um, somebody who derails the debrief by segueing into stories that are relevant from their practice. The the kind of person who's always done something. Yeah, yeah. You know, and again, they are a noble. Uh, horsemen they are they are trying to situate the the learning experience into something that feels real and contextual and maybe a bit funny um, but something that includes learners the danger for the hero facilitator is that they end up just talking about themselves Um, because they're getting good feedback from the students because, hey, do you know what? It's really easy to listen to this person tell me the story. And and again, I don't know about you, but learners love anecdotal stories. They love experiential stories and experiential learning. Yep. And, you know, I've done seminars and lectures before when that has definitely been the most captivating part of the session. Yep. The question is, is that appropriate in a simulation debrief? And I think as we've kind of hinted, 
with the other three, a certain amount of it, yes. Yeah. But if it starts to derail the, the, the whole show, then mm-hmm. yeah, you need to again be a little bit aware of that. So so the, the hero uh, facilitator recognises either consciously or subconsciously the value of storytelling for anchoring a learning point. Mm. They intuitively understand that they've captivated the group. But the question is, you know, is a simulation debrief the right place for story time? Um, and like you say, maybe with some learner groups, maybe in certain situations, maybe if a point will really benefit from a really clear example, yeah, then great. But not always. I mean, you were you were talking before the podcast about the the importance of storytelling and how it has mm. been developed over millennia. Mm. You know, mankind has we've been telling each other stories for thousands yeah. and thousands yeah, yeah, of yeah. years. So it's really natural. Yeah. And, and captivating yeah. and and helps to bring people together, particularly if there's a common thread or an interest, which there will undoubtedly be to some extent mm-hmm. with the kind of thing that we're talking about with, with simulation around healthcare. So I think it still has a place, mm-hmm. but it should be a segue to facilitating that conversation. Yeah, that, and, and there it needs to stop rather yeah. than, oh yeah, I've done that as well. And again, I've done that. And I've probably done it better than you did. Yeah, and, and but it, it's also a great opportunity for shared vulnerability. Yes. So, so the, you know, the hero. We say hero, but we, we probably just mean storyteller, maybe. <laughs> but 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 hero sounds cooler. Um, well, I, th- I think as well. But there's a difference between a storyteller and someone who does it to. Uh, where there's an element wrong choice of, of ego words, but to a toxic level. Yeah. yeah? Sure. Sure. Yeah, toxic to the debrief, toxic to the discussion yeah, in the debrief. Yeah, yeah no, I, I think that's that's a great observation. Um, but so, yeah, but you you you've hit a nice point there. If it helps to flatten the hierarchy and show shared vulnerability, that's the right kind of storytelling. The hero, what they often do is create a, a greater hierarchy. Look mm. how much better I am mm. because of all of the tales and tribulations that I've had compared to you. And you then, and by the way, let's just now look at your performance in the simulation. Yeah. Also, ran were the students. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, and we talked about this, didn't we? It is you don't want to win the Oscar for best actor. No. You want to win the Oscar for best director. And taking us a, a backseat. And I, th- I think that epitomizes, you know, what we're what we're aiming for as a facil- uh, as a simulation facilitator, isn't it? We want to curate, direct, orchestrate, not star. Yeah. Uh, not teach, um, not flatter or to criticise. What we really want to do is to curate that experience so that it keeps going. We want the student to be the protagonist in the story, not the tutor yeah. or the facilitator. So, so again, Lawrence, how would I know if I'm being a storyteller, being a hero? I think it's very similar, isn't it, to the tutor. I think if you're, if you're thinking about, does it, does it feel good? <laughs> does does what I'm doing feel good? And if it feels too good, it's like when you write that email, you know, when you get that email that you want to reply to and you write that reply and it feels so good. And then you have to delete it. And then you have to delete it. Don't send it. Don't send it. But I think if if the debrief is feeling too good, if it's if you're getting like this kind of warm sort of Mar- dopaminergic surge, vibes. then you pushed it too far. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so I think, but I think it comes down to the, uh, the, the, the conversation pattern. Are we hearing from the group or are we hearing from the tutor? Uh, have they become the tutor or the hero? Yeah. Um, if, if, if I hear as a facilitator, if I hear my voice too much, 
I, I, I'm, I'm not facilitating. Yes. I'm either storytelling, <clears throat> being a hero or going into tutorial mode. So, you know, if you're new to facilitation and debrief, it might be hard and you might recognise. So, and again, I think there's, there's some humility to be had there and going, I'm really sorry. I think I'm going off on a tangent or, yeah. you know, I'm leading the conversation here and really I shouldn't be. Yeah. I think it's okay to have that, that, that um, humility and rec- recognise that and then try and bring the debrief back into. That's part of becoming that reflexive simulation educator is, yeah. is, is being able to do that in the moment. Um, and and to recognise it and to give yourself, you know, give yourself a break because the reason that we've identified these four horsemen of the debrief apocalypse is because we see them in ourselves. Yeah. You know, I, I have embodied all of those roles, um, no question. Um, but because because there are aspects of all of them which are really important. Um, the groupie provides reinforcement and support of elements of good practice. And that's yeah. essential. We should learn from what goes well. Yeah. You know, the, cri- we sh- the critic is able to address areas of, uh, of uh, uh, critical events within the simulation that need to be unpacked because if they weren't, it could mean issues of safety exactly. in practice. Yeah. The, 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 the tutor has their eye on the learning outcomes um, and they want to make sure that the learning outcomes are achieved. They want to drive the learner forward in line mm. with the curriculum. And that's a noble aim. Yeah. And the hero recognises the importance of learned and shared experiences through story. Yeah. And and these are all as important as each other, but like with anything in education, I think probably and in life in general. I think in life. <laughs> Balance is it's key. It's all about balance. Yeah. When you go to either end of the spectrum, things start to get out of balance and things can go a little bit crazy. Yeah, exactly. And so, you just got to turn those sliders down. Yeah. Turn the critic down, you know, turn the turn the turn each of those four horsemen down to to the right level so that it's in equilibrium and balance. Yeah. I definitely think Cody briefing will help that. Mm. Having a model to work with is useful, but having that if you if if you're fortunate enough to have that self awareness, brilliant. I know I'm not all, always. I'm getting better at it. No, because you're already you're already wearing multiple hats and yeah. you're already multitasking. You're trying to, as we said in a previous podcast, kind of coordinate this learning experience. Remember what's happened. Mm. Listen to what people are saying to you. Articulate your next point. So it's easy to get into a into it's, a kind of habit. It's cognitively exhausting, isn't it? Yeah. Let alone then being aware of your. I would imagine most some some most people will either kind of fall into one of those four camps naturally, yeah, uh, and then being aware to sort of, like you say, bring the slider down back into center, mm. uh, and then use it proactively and positively rather than derailing and becoming one of the horsemen. Mm. Exactly that. So that brings our podcast to a natural conclusion. We hope you've enjoyed it. If you have enjoyed this podcast, and if you do recognise one of these four horsemen of the debrief apocalypse in your own simulation practice, do please chuck us a like or a comment. And if you want to keep in touch with all things simulation, please do subscribe and hit that notification bell. Thanks very much for watching. We'll see you in the next one. Thanks, everyone. Bye for now.